As we make our way to the end of this season of Object Obscura, there's one question that most people ask. What makes something antique? And is that the same as vintage? Archivists and museum curators may say that an antique object is defined as something 100 years or older, whereas vintage is more of an open term of something that's 25 to 100 years old. Well, here at Object Obscura, all we care about is finding the people attached to these ordinary objects from any era. And in this episode, we'll learn about something from the 1990s, a few years before I was born. The photos that you'd sent showed a lot of wear and tear. So we probably just had it all ready to go, and then finally it went in 93. We will learn about a booming industry in India. It actually becomes quite berserk. I mean, it was a, it was a media circus. And the dark undertones about a struggling celebrity behind bars. He's had a lot of money riding on him, and then he's had these moments where, you know, all the producers are, like, basically, you know, biting their fingers, like, in nervousness about, like, what's going to happen to their investment. He said he's a terrorist. He's a such a nice guy. He's a very lovable guy. So I looked at myself in the mirror and went up to Dad one morning and said, okay, I'm dying, and I want you to help me. Welcome to Object Obscura. This is the historical investigative podcast about people, objects, and their stories. I'm your host, Thatcher Warwick Hess. Episode 15, Bollywood, Bombay, Bombings. Hey guys, I just bought this film reel, and uh, I can't get it open, and I want to see if I can try to open it and see what's inside. This is a recording I did in April. I'm holding a circular film reel tin, trying to get it open. So I bought this film tin in a really cool antique store in Fredericksburg, Texas. I saw like five of these rusted tins on the ground, under a table. And this one had something inside. Something heavy, that moved around whenever I tilted the canister. There it is here. You can hear something. Like something heavy is inside. It was rusted shut. I couldn't even get any leverage to see what was inside. The seller said I could have it for 35 bucks. Deal. There's a moment in every historical research project where you have to commit. When I was about to pry open this tin with the flathead screwdriver, I told myself that whatever was inside, I would make an episode on. So, I have a screwdriver. Let's see what's inside. No freaking way. No way. There was an intact film reel inside. It was covered in a thick layer of dust and hadn't seen daylight in decades. I had to call somebody to know what I was exactly looking at. What you have was, I believe, probably printed on Fuji color, and it was a 35 millimeter strip of film. That's how wide the film is. It's probably on acetate stock, which was a stock that was used from the early 50s to 
the late 1990s. This is Anthony Labati from the George Eastman Museum in Rochester, New York. He's a film preservationist who manages hundreds of film reels a day. This 35mm film has the typical perforated square holes on the sides that make it easier to scroll through the projector and camera. The acetate stock he's referencing is the plastic base material of the reel. The actual coloring of the images is the emulsion that coloring dyes are embedded into. I unfurled the film reel and saw the frames in the acetate plasticky film. I put a light under each tiny thumbnail image and saw the strange vignettes in the reel. A man was standing on a mountain holding a shepherd's crook as sheep flocked behind him in the following frames. Remember, every 24 frames in this reel is one second in the film. So I had to sift through the reel for quite a while until I saw words. It was a theatrical film by the production company called Parul Film International. And the name of the movie was Sahiban. It was an Indian film that came out in 1993. Since your film was made in the 90s from India, it would just would have been your standard um, movie cameras made by usually Mitchell. And then it usually has those magazines on the top that look like Mickey Mouse ears. And the film is put in there and then on one side of those uh, ears and it then goes into the camera and it, it, the frame is exposed behind the lens and then it takes up into the, to the other ear of that and then they process the film. The film negative gets processed into raw film stock and that's what I have in the canister. Anthony guessed that mine was made of acetate stock because the earliest film from the 1890s were made of nitrate and the more modern film today is polyester film. Acetate stock is more stable than nitrate film but less stable than polyester. There are number sequences and barcodes on the edge of the film, and also there were two shaky lines running down the left side of it. And it's a sound film because on the side of the image are uh, two um, sort of like squiggly lines, and that's where the sound is recorded onto. Oh, okay. That's fascinating. From the pictures I sent to Anthony, he could see that this reel was well used. The photos that you'd sent showed a lot of wear and tear on that film. So it looks like it had gotten a lot of use and a lot of love because you could see scratches. I, I mean, was this like some special last version of Sahiban that people had been looking for? Had it really not been opened in 28 years when it was last used? How and why did it end up in Texas? I had asked Anthony all of these same questions and we can only theorize. I thought that the next clue could be the writing that was on the film canister. On the top side of the tin, there was a faded Fuji film label and some writing in Sharpie. But that assumption was wrong. Most film needs to be stored in certain temperatures and airtight environments without getting damaged. Since film reels were tossed into any type of container, Anthony and I concluded that the reel and the canister were separate. It was most likely just placed into this can for safekeeping. My canister was actually quite small. The reel was like 5 inches in diameter, leaving very little room inside. I mean, I honestly had no idea how long the film reel was. Maybe 10 feet long? Uh, if it was 10 feet, that runs six seconds. Wow. <laughs> if, if, if it's about five inches, yeah, that is probably about, uh, what I said, about 180, maybe 200 feet long. Anthony actually had this film reel calculator he used. If this was the full film, which was over two hours, the reel would be 12,000 feet long. That's why most editors physically cut up the movie in sections and put them in different giant canisters. So 200 feet equals around 2 minutes. 
That means that the one I had in the canister was a trailer for Sahiban. The film Sahiban came out in the summer of 1993 in India. And had a very popular cast of actors at the time. Madhuri Dikshit, Sanjay Dutt, and Rishi Kapoor were filmed in film Saiban ka Mohurut Shot. I was so enthralled with this film that I downloaded the 1993 movie poster and put it as my computer screensaver. It has the very funky, floral, hippies 1960s font with floating heads of a woman and two men, one playing a flute. It seemed so 90s, but also so ageless. It was produced by this guy named D.K. Chawla. The soundtrack was by Shiv Hari, and it was directed by Ramesh Talwar. I decided to reach out to someone who teaches this for a living, and she also knew where this trailer may have come from. My name is uh, Tejaswini Gunti. I'm an associate professor of anthropology at New York University, and my area of research for the last over two decades has actually been about the Hindi film industry, also known as Bollywood. So since I'm an anthropologist, I'm really interested in how the films get made and the people who make them and all the kind of behind the scenes and all the politics and decision-making that goes into making mainstream popular cinema. Alongside her 21-year teaching career, she has written two books. One of them, Producing Bollywood Inside the Contemporary Hindi Film Industry, chronicles Indian cinema from 1994 to the present day. So when I sent you the email of what I found and what was inside, were you surprised that it was Sahiban? Like, out of all the movies, like, what was your first reaction to me sending that? Yeah, I was surprised because my first reaction was like, that's really random, <laughs> you know, because Sahiban was a pretty unremarkable film. The general public online reviews describe how the film was an ambitious project with great actors, but the end product was very mediocre. I wanted to see it for myself. I love films. And I've seen a handful of Hindi and Bollywood films, and I thought I might enjoy it. So, I went on YouTube. There was only one full version of the film for free. It was all in Hindi, with no translated subtitles. And I watched the whole thing, all two hours and 21 minutes, entirely in Hindi. This film is just bonkers. It's action, romance, drama, and everything in between. Here's the actor Sanjay Dutt, who plays the villain in the movie, summing up Sahiban in his own words when it came out in 1993. It's a love story, basically, a triangle. And the look, you know, eye-pleasing a picture, you know, hills or mountains, and, you know, it's beautiful. Like, it's hard to even give a synopsis because it is crazy in its own Bollywood kind of way. But actually, Professor Ganti told me that this wasn't technically Bollywood. From my kind of perspective, what we think of as Bollywood, as this very kind of globally successful, you know, recognized, slick kind of media industry, that happens post-Sahiban. I would say there's a big shift that happens from about 1994 and 1995. Sahiban is right before these, like, key changes that happen in the film industry, which have to do with a few films. So Sahiban comes out in 1993, and I think that film often may get referred to as a masala film. Masala is a Hindi word that just means spices. 
When you have films that seem to have all of these different elements, that is often referred to as a masala film because it's like many different spices. It's a blend of spices. And so hence you have a blend of emotions, you have a blend of characters, and you have subplots. I would say Sahiban fits more within that category, like the masala film. I mean, she's totally right. Sahiban is just full of so many things. So that is why in the rest of this episode, I'll be using the terms Hindi and Indian cinema in regards to Sahiban specifically. Something caught my eye in the beginning of the version I saw on YouTube. The order of shots, the frame ratio, and the title letters of Sahiban were totally different than the film I had in the canister. Here's Anthony again. And also the, the trailer might not be made up of the same takes that were used in the final product. Usually they'll use yeah. alternate takes and they're going to have different graphics like you said that they're not the same because they'll they'll make a trailer before the film sometimes is finished so it's not as polished as the the finished film that's going to go into the theaters i had been looking for a way to see what was really on this reel was there a way to digitize it thankfully i found a one-of-a-kind rare trailer for sahiban on youtube it was the exact film i had in the canister this is from the trailer already digitized on YouTube. It is very different from most trailers I've seen. Very jarring edits and confusing sequences. It is more like a highlight reel. It is surreal to see the frames of a film stock move in real time to a video. This trailer was 3 minutes and 28 seconds, which would make the reel in the canister closer to 315 feet long. There was an online comment to this uploaded trailer. It mentioned that the movie was actually done filming in 1991, and it was pushed back due to some distribution issues. I brushed it off originally, but as we'll see later, this had a tremendous impact on the final movie's success. Well, if everything was principal photography of the film was finished in 91, the trailers probably were made shortly thereafter, but the whole the whole project could have, as you said, was delayed. So they probably just had it all ready to go, and then finally it went in 93. So even before the film itself was released, trailers like yours would have been shipped to theaters as their preview of coming attractions. And you know, this film it will be coming you know in a, in a month or so. Sahiban not only had a theatrical release in India, but around the world, the UK, Canada, and later in the United States. It was released on June 16, 1993, the week after Jurassic Park's opening. One Atlanta magazine had Sam Neill's face next to the Sahiban showing, so despite its attempts to have a global outreach, it never really got enough attention. I would say that part of the problem was, is that sometimes you may end up finishing a film but you didn't have distribution deals because besides you know the producers having to raise finance uh, throughout the project, they also may not have been able to sell all the distribution rights. And so sometimes films would get finished, but you know they didn't have a distribution deal and so they'd be sitting in the cans as they say. Tejaswini grew up in India until she was eight, but lived in Texas after that. She told me some of the reasons this trailer reel could have ended up at that antique shop I bought it from. And then when I immigrated to the U.S. when I was nine years old, which was to suburban Houston, Texas, um, I managed to continue seeing these films first in movie theaters in Houston. And then when the video revolution came, uh, managed to continue watching Hindi films on video. I think my family 
was probably one of the first families within our kind of Indian friends circle to buy a VCR. And, you know, we were renting probably three Hindi films a week from the local Indian grocery store. In the emails following our two-hour interview, Professor Ganti told me that this could have been played at the Cineplex Theater in Houston, which used to play Hindi and Bollywood films on certain days. I decided to call Carol Hicks Bolton Antique Shop, the place where I bought the canister. The guy who answered told me that the owners did not buy these locally. He said that they buy their antiques in Europe and India. So they somehow got this film reel over in India. Sadly, nowadays people are repurposing these film reels in negative ways. So it's like, you know, recycling but kind of on steroids. Professor Ganti told me a story of a woman who used old Indian film reels to make purses, completely destroying one-of-a-kind film stock. So maybe this trailer in acetate film needs to be preserved and kept from people trying to alter it. Specifically with Sahiban, have you seen the film? And if you do remember, what is the memory you have when you first watched it? Did you go to a theater? Yeah, I, you know, I was trying to remember if I had seen it or not. And I'm pretty sure I saw it on video. I wouldn't have seen it in the movie theater. But so I would go see many films in movie theaters. But Sahiban was not one that I saw in the movie theater. I saw that in video because not everything got released for theatrical release in the U.S. back then, just because of, I guess, limited venues. So Saiban, I saw it on video, but honestly, I had a hard time remembering anything that it was about when you contacted me. And so I went back, I just went back and looked at a little bit of it. The sheep herder guy I saw in the film reel was a main male character named Gopi. He is played by Rishi Kapoor, a very famous Indian cinema actor. So Rishi Kapoor is the actor who plays the, what conventionally would be called the hero of the film, right? He's the male protagonist. He's this humble, you know, peasant. I think he's like a sheep herder, you know, mm -hmm. he plays the flute. So he kind of had this image of this very like cheerful, kind of carefree, happy-go-lucky guy. In Indian English, it's a phrase called chocolate face, <laughs> meaning he's like really sweet. He was called, you know, chocolate face lover boy. So he was like the sweet boy next door. That was kind of his main brand, so to speak. Though Rishi was a lot older when Sahiban came out, as a Hindi cinema celebrity, Mr. Kabur was seen as a very good man. The love interest in the film, aptly named Sahiban, was played by Madhuri Dixit. And then Madhuri Dixit, who I've also met and interviewed, she also like was one of the most successful female stars, you know, of the 90s. She is an amazing actress, an amazing dancer, has like this tremendous amount of charisma and lit up the screen. In Sahiban, she's kind of this like beautiful village girl, you know, so it's like set in this rural context. And so there's these archetypal, like, you know, the, the beautiful village damsel, and then like the simple, humble and honest, you know, village guy, and then like the lecherous, evil, you know, landlord, noble aristocrat, right? So like these are archetypes that have been there in so many other films. There are, of course, way more people in the cast of Sahiban. But we'll focus on these three actors because the story of their lives just gets more insane after 1993. And in a weird way, the film's character and themes represent the geopolitical climate of India in the early 1990s. The movie starts when a director arrives in this town and meets an old guy at a tomb. So the very beginning is actually, um, it's a little self-reflexive, but there are these two tombs. And there is this, this kind of old man who is then relaying 
the love story of these two people. So basically you have to understand the film, it's a film within a film, it's a story within a story. The old man is the villainous Vijay, played by Sanjay Dutt. And in this flashback, we get to meet Gopi, the sheep herder, Sahiban, and the younger villain's epic story. And so it's really a love story where you have the two characters, the Rishi Kapoor character and the Madhuri Dixit character, and they're in love. Gopi. But then Sanjay Dutt is this like wealthy, arrogant landlord type, and he, you know, takes his fancy to the heroine and he wants her, and she doesn't want to get married to him even though her parents want her to get married to him. The evil Vijay, played by Sanjay Dutt, is this womanizer drunk guy who walks shirtless around his castle carrying pythons. It's kind of hilarious. Here's the actor Sanjay Dutt talking about his role as Vijay in Sahiban. He sleeps with women, but uh, he's always in the look for the right side of a woman in his life. Till the time he sees uh, Sahiba, that is Madhuri. And it's his obsession towards Sahiba that no matter what he has to do, but he wants her. He wants her as his wife and he changes for her. He wants her and she's running away from him. And I, <laughs> it's, it's like a total villain, you know, it's rejection. And in a sad way, it's this rejection that fuels his character to fight Gopi. So Sanjay that plays the villainous role and he basically um, manages to kill off the hero, Rishi Kapoor, because he wants the heroine for himself. And, and then they both die in the pro I mean, so both lovers end up dying. She can't stand the thought of marrying this man that she doesn't love. And so she too dies in the process, right? And so they like kind of live together and die together. Yeah, by the end, the lovers drown in a river. And when the flashback is over in the present day, the evil VJ just falls down and the movie's over. Everyone dies. But of course, like most Indian cinema films, there was a lot of music and singing. Despite the film's ambitious and wild storyline, the music is amazing. But the one thing that you noticed was the music, and I think the music was reasonably successful. And actually the composers are some very famous and very well-respected classical musicians, actually, who now and then compose for cinema. So it was a very famous dulcimer player named Shiv Kumar Sharma, and Hari was Hari Prasad Chaurasia, who's a very eminent bamboo flute player. They're both still alive, um, and wow. periodically they came together and composed some film soundtracks. They combined their names to make Shiv Hari, their soundtrack of Sahiban was some of the most popular music of 1993. But another thing to remember, as you'll hear some songs from the movie in the background, that all the singing was dubbed by famous singers of the time. There were singers for Rishi Kapoor and Madhuri Dixit, but Sanjay actually sang his own song. He turns around and he looks at her and it's the same woman he wants. He tries to praise her. She starts this song. Ki, 
The movie Sahiban has moments of weird plot points, but then amazing beautiful cinematography of the grassy Indian mountains. It's an anomaly. When I thought more about the film, I realized how many darker underlying themes there were. Betrayal, sexual assault, socioeconomic differences, and death and memory. It's got everything. I read reviews and comments about Sahiban online. The things I saw the most were about the three stars, Rishi Kapoor, Sanjay Dutt, and Madhuri Dixit. And of course the actors, I mean, they're all prominent stars. Although not all three of them acted together before, there was kinetic chemistry because Madhuri and Sanjay had done some films together. So yeah, they had already worked mm. together um, prior to Saiban. Most of this episode, though, we'll be talking about the actor Sanjay Dutt, whose role as the villain in this movie is oddly indelible. Like, there were so many parts of the film that were completely forgettable to me. But his character sticks in my head. Here's the actor Sanjay Dutt again. Madhuri, she's a fantastic actress. A very good-looking woman. And I, she's done a tremendous job with her film, according to me. In this interview, he's holding a cigarette while talking about Madhuri Dixit. There's a lot of irony here because Sanjay and Madhuri actually fell in love in the early 1990s. At the time in the 90s, there was all these rumors that they had a romantic relationship, Sanjay Dutt and Madhuri Dixit. That was part of the kind of gossip, you know, the film star gossip pages. His relationship with Madhuri ended in 1993 during his marriage. So it's kind of fascinating that the character he played in Sahiban is similar to the man he was becoming. The actor Sanjay had a long list of vices, and the first was his drug habit. And he had this extremely um, public, troubled life, right? So he, you know, he had this rebellious streak. He, you know, was known to have a lot of problems with drugs and drug abuse. Sanjay had a troubled childhood that we'll touch on a little bit later, but it was his appearances as an unconventional actor that made him a sensation in his 20s and 30s. There were posters of him in almost every Indian kid's room. He had this bad boy, tough guy image. He was known as the Indian Sylvester Stallone. And even more interesting was that Sanjay's first lead in a movie was called Rocky in 1981. Unfortunately, his mother died days before his first film debuted, and it destroyed him. Sanjay changed. By the early 90s, he was a bodybuilder, heavy smoker, and rebellious actor who was just unlike his parents in every way. So with Sanjay that when he first kind of emerged onto the filmic scene, he was just like a tall, lanky guy. And then he did start doing this whole bodybuilding. So he's the son of two extremely prominent film actors. Nargis Dutt uh, was his mother and Sunil Dutt. And so they were quite prominent stars of the 50s and 60s. So they were in films that were like fairly patriotic, both of his parents, mm -hmm. right? And they were like known to be these real kind of, you know, true like patriots, loved their country, right? It, because his parents were so prominent and respected actors, his parents didn't know what to do. You know, his father went into politics. So I think that also was part of the sensationalism. Sanjay has a large head with these almond-shaped beady eyes that hide under his half-closed eyelids. He always looks a little high in his films and interviews. Professor Ganti explained to me how he actually changed the physique of Bollywood actor's standards. 
and so when his drug habit got worse, his parents sent him to a rehab center in the United States. Here is Sanjay Dutt in a 2006 interview talking about his drug addiction and rehab in the late 1970s. It's shocking how this all connects to Sahiban. Listen carefully. What were you on? What were you taking? Was it needles or pills? Or? I did everything. Everything possible. I mean, whatever drug is there in the books I've done. But uh, I preferred uh, cocaine and heroin. So I looked at myself in the mirror and, I mean, you know, I had this, you know, drug puffiness and I I was just, I knew I'm going to die. And I uh, went up to dad one morning and said, okay, I'm dying and I want you to help me. And uh, so he said, okay, and he, he flew me straight to America after that. I'd met this guy in rehab, his name was Bill. Hmm. Very, very rich man. I went to Austin, Texas with him. And they've got this ranch. So he goes to rehab in Texas and lives with this rich man for a couple of months, leaving his family behind. He loves riding horses there, but does end up coming back to India. Again, I am shocked that I find a trailer reel of a Sanjay Dutt film in Texas. It's crazy that he is in this Austin rehab in his 20s, and somehow a film that he will make 12 years later from that point will be found at an antique shop 80 miles away 30 years later. I know, it's insane. And on top of that, that Professor Ganti lived in Houston when the film came out in 1993. There's a lot of synchronicity here. Today, Sanjay is still alive doing modern Bollywood films, and I thought it'd be really interesting to hear his stories about working on Sahiban. I was getting more obsessed about this movie the more I read into him. I reached out to some writers, actors, and even the director of the movie, but I got no responses. In the interim, I did some reading. There's one book called Sanjay Dutt, One Man, Many Lives, where most of this episode's information comes from. And when I finished that book, my jaw dropped. When the movie Sahiban was released in June of 1993, the actor Sanjay Dutt was out on bail. Fate of Bollywood star Sanjay Dutt, who is facing a six-year jail term for possessing illegal arms, will be decided today by the Apex Court, along with the hundred others who were convicted in the 1993 Mumbai serial blast. 12th March 1993. A series of 13 coordinated blasts ripped through Mumbai, leaving over 250 people dead. So just to break it down, the villain actor of Sahiban, Mr. Sanjay Dutt, was arrested in April with involvement of the terrorist Bombay bombings that happened in March. For actor Sanjay Dutt, there was no relief. The Supreme Court upheld his conviction for possessing an AK-56 rifle. Along with 300 people killed, influential government buildings, Bombay skyscrapers and monuments were targeted areas of the bombings. Twelve explosions in one single day. You know, it wasn't just one blast, you know, there were these series of blasts. You may be familiar with the coastal city of Mumbai. Well, in 1995, the new government changed Bombay's name to Mumbai. In most reports today, these terrorist attacks are called the Mumbai Blasts. I'll just briefly discuss why this all happened. A rally was being held in December of 1992 by Muslim activists and it turned violent. They illegally demolished a mosque and the Bombay riots ensued throughout India.
so about the, the bombing specifically, to. what is your memory of that day? Do you remember where you were when, when it all happened in 93? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was in Philadelphia. I was a graduate student at the University of Pennsylvania. So I remember my roommate was from Bombay. Um, so oh. we were all really worried about her family and her sister. So mm -hmm. I had friends who, you know, who were from Bombay. And so we were all terrified for like friends and family who were there. And I, I mean, I just remember the whole from December 92, from the time that the mosque was demolished, and the wave of unrest and violence that happened, you know, constantly being afraid for friends and family. These riots were the underlying factors for the bombings that happened three months later, when Sanjay Dutt is arrested. In, in 1993, you were, you were at the prime of your life and career. Your films were hits. You were literally number one when you were arrested. I mean, that would have destroyed most young men. Were you scared of your future then? Initially, I did get scared, but then I just wanted to come out because I've not done anything and I'm innocent. This seemed to come out of nowhere, as most people didn't expect it. It split fans and actors in the industry. There was support for Sanjay in one camp and anti-Sanjay in the other. We are thinking everything positive. We are positive thinkers. We are quite confident things will go right with our prayers. Everything should be okay. The law will take its own course and he will have to uh, bear with whatever verdict is given. It actually becomes quite berserk. I mean, it was a it was a media circus, and and you have to realize that was '93 when you have like satellite television come in. So, and by '93, you have an explosion of television in a way that didn't occur before. So then you also have an explosion of television news. Suddenly, it's like you need content, right? Because you have so much more like airtime. In some of this footage, there are people holding Sanju, we're with you signs, but there are other using pictures of Sanjay's villainous characters against him. Sanjay did five other movies in 1993, which was actually very little by Indian cinema standards. One of them was called Kalnayak, starring Sanjay. He played a terrorist in the film, which was obviously used against him in the protests. He actually plays the villain. The word Kalnayak means antagonist. So Kalnayak was the film that was occupying a lot of public attention, right, in terms of like journalistic attention, um, you know, a lot of press. Sanjay Dutt. I met him myself. He's an extremely kind of down-to-earth, very self-deprecating person. And he he recognizes like his flaws. And he told me himself, was like, I don't think I'm a really good actor. You know, like, so he has this, he has this quality that is very endearing. Sanjay Dutt, he did have assault rifles. So people trying to explain like, well, why did he have assault rifles? And he said, he you know, that he was getting threats. People were threatening his family, so he felt scared and so he procured these weapons to kind of protect his family. But the people who helped to procure these uh, weapons were also people who were then tied back in some form or fashion to those bomb blasts. Why does this bombing connect to Sahiban? Well, the timing of the film is so strange. It was released in between Sanjay's first arrest in April and when he was re-arrested in July. It's also connected to the villain character, Vijay, he played in the movie, because Sanjay was seen as an untrustworthy person in the public eye. In the middle of all of this crazy information about the bombings in 1993, 
a pivotal year for Indian history, I got an email from someone in India. It was from IPTA, I-P-T-A. Professor Ganti didn't really know if I should trust it. Oh, IPTA is like the kind of defunct. I'm just a little like, I, you know, I'm worried that, like, I hope you found someone legit. Thankfully, it was a very benign email response. IPTA is the Indian People's Theater Association, and the email read, Greetings from IPTA, Mumbai. Hope this email finds you in good health. We have received your communication regarding the film Sahiban, directed by Mr. Ramesh Talwar, and he has agreed to the interview you requested. No freaking way. We soon arranged a time to call. The 12 and a half hour time zone difference was challenging, but after a week of messaging, I called him at 8 p.m. my time, and the next morning of his. The list of questions I had about Sahiban, Sanjay Dutt, and the bombings were mounting. Did the director of this movie have all the answers? Hello? Yes? Hello, Ramesh. How, how are you doing? I'm, I'm fine, very fine. Where are you actually? From where you are speaking? Um, I, I'm in um, Arizona, the United States. Arizona, okay, okay. Damesh Talwar is the director of the movie Sahiban, and now a theater director for IPTA, responsible for making the trailer reel I have in this canister. Unfortunately, my audio recorder stopped working after the first minute of speaking with him, but thankfully I had a second backup mic recording. I'll do my best to reiterate his responses. Mr. Talwar is now 77 years old and has directed over 15 films but the start of his career happened in 1957 as a child actor. He then worked as a director's assistant with some of India's most influential directors. I wanted to have this intimate conversation start with a lighter tone, so I asked him about Sahiban and why he wanted to make this movie. Well, this writer came to me, that writer's name is Arman Shahab with uh, Mr. D.K. Chawla. He narrated me the idea. I said, we have to work it out. And he said, yes. Uh, so we sat together and made a screenplay. The writer Arman Shahabi and producer DK Chawla were up-and-coming names in the industry. Then they thought about casting. Ramesh knew Rishi Kapoor, the actor who would end up playing the main character, Gopi. We approached actors, my friend Rishi Kapoor first, and we approached uh, Madhuri Dixit. And Sanjay that was other role, which was very good role, very powerful role. And as Sanjay remembers, Rishi Kapoor, who most called Chintu, actually asked him to be in the film. Here is Sanjay in 1993. Actually, Chintu suggested me to Rameshji for this role. That's how I met Rameshji. But we have to remember that Ramesh is writing and casting all of these actors in 1991. And so the whole, like you were saying, the whole film was already finished. So did you shoot everything in the film in 1991? Yes, everything was complete. I mean, there was no hassle. Mm -hmm. Because everybody liked the thing. That's what we are making is good. So everybody cooperated. And my producer spent money on that. But tragically, the main producer of the film, D.K. Chawla, died. The thing was... That my producer, he was a, he had some heart problem, he never told me about that. When the film was completed, everything was done, we had the negative cutting, 
and we were happy that soon in six and eight was released and he died of heart attack and uh, his kids were teenagers so the producer DK Chawla died months before the film was initially going to be released at 41 years old he is the one who created Parul Film International the production company that I first saw in the trailer film reel and get this Chawla's teenage daughter was named Parul in a later interview Parul said that as a producer's daughter she sympathized with how hard it was for people in the industry to start from scratch after a sudden death like her father's she said that her dad, Mr. Chala, was her best friend. And so this was actually the main reason Sahiban was delayed for two years. Despite the sad setbacks, Ramesh loved working on this movie with the musician Shivhari and all the actors. I was always working with top stars. So there was no problem with these actors. So Madhuri Akshat is very, very nice girl. And... So Sanjay Dutt, he behaved very well. In fact, he cooperated like anybody. So there was no hassle. And Rishikapur was my friend. Rishikapur worked with me in four of my films. Wow. So it went very well. He filmed in the mountains of the Kulu Manali, a stretch of the Himalayas in the north tip of India. He shot Vijay's castle scenes in the Mysore Palace in southern India. As regards for the trailer for Sahiban, I asked him why it was so different. At that time, we used to make three minute, four minute trailer. The highlights of the films are there, but we don't reveal the story. I believe that this trailer was exactly that a highlight montage of music, actors, and the important plot points. But actor Sanjay Dutt never got to see the trailer or the initial release because of the bombing allegations. And finally, when the film was going to be released, my friend Dr. Sanjay that uh, was behind bars. So people were, you know, uh, agitated. I was just uh, very emotional about Sanjay that he was very kind to me throughout the beginning of the film. And he couldn't enjoy the release of the film. It was something which disturbed me very much. Sanjay Dutt, since 1993, has been in jail for more than 1,400 total days and more than five different arrests. It honestly seemed that the government was out to get him. One source said that he was the most imprisoned Bollywood actor in Indian cinema history. Here is Professor Ganti again. But I can't think of any other actor in kind of recent memory, yeah, that has been jailed as much as he has. He's had a lot of money riding on him, and then he's had these moments where, you know, all the producers are, like, basically, you know, biting their fingers, like, in nervousness about, like, what's going to happen to their investment, right? Because, like, he's been in jail a few times. And here is Sanjay in 2006, trying to stay sober and reiterate his innocence. And now, how many years is it since you've been trying to fight for your innocence? It's been 13 years now. I think the judgment is on, and uh, God willing, I will get my freedom Monday. This is in an interview in 2006, a year after this conversation, where he seems to be getting his life back together, he gets re-arrested. Right, Minoni, breaking news coming in. Sanjay Dutt has been given a five-year prison term. And said Sanjay Dutt must go back to jail. 
to serve the remainder of a five-year sentence. I asked Ramesh what his response was to all of these allegations. Professor Ganti had the same reaction, like most did, because she was in India when he made his first movie out of prison. He got released from jail in 1996. The, the venue that he was coming to was decorated as if like when you decorate for a wedding, there was like a, a band of traditional drum players. So it became this big press and media event. The fact that Sanjay Dutt was coming back, walking back onto a soundstage. And interestingly enough, it was a film that he was shooting with Madhuri Dixit. Uh, the developing story coming in right now. You can see your uh, you know, on, on your screen Sanjay Dutt emerging, walking free, Munna Bhai, uh, related to, of course, uh, what happened in 1993 in the blast. He was convicted in an arms case. And today, the Supreme Court delivered its final verdict in the case, indicting Dawood Ibrahim. So the terrorist Dawood Ibrahim was put in jail, and Sanjay Dutt was finally released in 2016 as a free man. I was just, uh, I, I was just saying is that for 23 years I was uh, wanting to be a free man, I wanted to taste freedom and uh, finally the day has come today where uh, I walked out of that jail as a free man. But uh, it's not During all of his movies and jail times, Sanjay Dutt has done many interviews and stayed in the limelight. Here is Sanjay in 2019, summarizing his outlook on his jail time. I mean, when you look back at the life that you had, it's really been a roller coaster with, with real ups and downs. Do you feel like there's a, there, there's a calm within you? There is a calm within me, Rajiv, but I don't kind of regret that life. I mean, I've, uh, I, I've learned from that life. Mm. You know, I've learned a lot of things. Even my jail term, yeah. I took it in a positive way. I mm. said, let me learn, let me face it, let, right. me, let me read what I could never do all my life. Mm. You know, is to have some peace read books about my religion. In every video I've seen of Sanjay leaving a prison or hounded by paparazzi, he looks tired, but also like someone who wants to learn and be better. Sanjay is married with his third wife and has three kids. He was diagnosed with lung cancer in 2020 and has put his acting career on hiatus. But in all the chaos of the arrests and the bombings, he has acted in 137 films in 50 years. The very last question I asked Ramesh was if he looked at his directorial projects with fondness and how he wants to remember Sahiban. His answer was not what I expected. It's long back, you know. Yeah. Now it is 50 years. Right. And, uh, you have to forget you are totally in the new film, new project. If I and Sanjayrat and Madhuri to piece it together and talk about that film. So we uh, remember old things, you know. Otherwise, we just forget it. We go to the next project. The film industry in India is very different than the Western film industry. This pre-Bollywood romance film was in the beginning of an industry that was just getting started. One way we can see this distinction is with the trailer of Sahiban and how Ramesh wants to move on from it. I think that this is a very apt way to describe 
any serial project. Whether you make a movie, a podcast, or write a book, there is that moment of relief and comfort after it is done. And it's in these instances, after we make something, that can define who we are and our love for what we do. All the actors, musicians, and the director, Ramesh Talvar, loved working on Sahiban. It is just sad that it was rife with tragedy and was released to the world at an inopportune time. For our show, Object Obscura, we hope that these episodes will be remembered, but also that we have the opportunity to move on to the next thing. Every object these past 10 episodes in Season 2 were originally from an antique store and just laid somewhere in my house. And they have taken us all over the world to hear some of the most unexpected memories and stories. This podcast may not be some tangible plastic reel kept in a tin for over 25 years, but what it represents is the curiosity to find the stories of any object, antique or vintage. What stories will you find? Thank you for joining us on another Object Obscura adventure, where every object has a story. We're going to post all the pictures of the film reel, links to see the videos and the movie, and everyone we spoke to in this episode on our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages. This was a production of the Obscurity Podcast Network. Thank you to Anthony Labati at the George Eastman Museum in Rochester, New York. The work they do there is amazing, and you can check them out at eastman.org. Thank you to Professor Tejaswini Ganti for talking to me about a totally random Indian film. Please check out her two books, Producing Bollywood Inside the Contemporary Hindi Film Industry and Bollywood, A Guide to Popular Hindi Cinema on Amazon. And finally, thank you to director Ramesh Talwar from the IPTA for jumping back 30 years to talk about Sahiban and letting me use snippets of the songs from the movie. You can see a little bit more about what IPTA does on their Facebook page. Check out the movie Sahiban. It's definitely worth watching. We'll put a link in the description. Special thanks to Carol Hicks Bolton Antiques, Anita Jacob, Vikas Fravat, and David Boyk and John Kotska from the Shabistan Film Archive. Just want to give a quick shout out to my parents. This show could not be done without them. So thank you guys. This was an Anchor Distributed Podcast. Produced, written, edited, scored, mixed, and fact-checked by me. The theme song is Behind the Walls by my great friend Nathany. All of the song and archival credits are in the description. Please go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Even if you're listening on something else, please go there and give us a star rating. It really helps us out. You can also write a review. You can also give us a donation. There's a PayPal donation button on our website, object-obscura.com. Anything helps us to investigate more amazing stories in the future for a possible next season. Want to reach out to us? Well, send us a message on Facebook at Object Obscura Podcast, Instagram at object.obscura, and Twitter at Object Obscura. It can be about an object you want discussed on the show, anything obscure, or a cool story about material culture. That's it, guys. Thank you for your support, comments on social media, and being an amazing audience. Stay safe out there and keep collecting. We'll keep you posted for a possible season three of our show. See you soon. <laughs>